I'm Rachel Cassandra. Welcome to Midday Magazine for Tuesday, February 7th. Local governments around southeast Alaska are speaking out against a lawsuit that threatens to shut down trolling for king salmon across the region this year. The lawsuit aims to protect endangered orcas in Washington state. Ketchikan, Wrangell, and Petersburg are set to join a growing chorus of Alaska voices highlighting the impact the suit could have on the region's fishing fleet. Eric Stone reports from Ketchikan. The lawsuit from the Washington State-based Wild Fish Conservancy centers on an endangered Puget Sound population of orcas known as southern resident killer whales. Killer whales eat salmon, especially big, meaty king salmon, and the conservation group argues that federal officials haven't properly accounted for the impact the southeast king salmon fishery has on the Puget Sound orcas. Late last year, a federal judge issued a report that threatens to close the southeast king salmon fishery until the National Marine Fisheries Service comes up with a fix. So right now, the region's 1,800 trollers are facing an uncertain future, says Alaska Trollers Association Executive Director Amy Doherty. Our fleet is basically waiting to hear if they can gear up. The winter king salmon fishery is currently underway. The summer king fishery typically opens July 1st. Doherty says king salmon trolling is a $29 million chunk of the economy, almost three times as much when you consider related economic activity like that at fish processors. Governor Mike Dunleavy said on Talk of Alaska last month that the state would fight the pending ruling. Sitka's local government has also adopted a resolution opposing the lawsuit. And later this month, borough assemblies in Ketchikan, Wrangell, and Petersburg will consider adopting resolutions of their own opposing a Chinook shutdown. Ketchikan Gateway Borough Assembly member Glenn Thompson is co-sponsoring one of the measures. It's urgent for the borough to at least take a political stand saying we oppose the shutdown of our troll industry and we need to work through this and resolve the issue. He says a Chinook shutdown would have ripple effects throughout the fleet and the region's economy. That's the money fish. That's the, the, the headliner. Um, and so if you shut down the Chinook fishery, it really has a major impact on all the troll fisheries. Fellow Ketchikan co-sponsor Austin Otis says the suit unfairly targets the Alaska fishing fleet. In a statement, he says the outside group has little to no knowledge about how Alaska manages its fisheries. And he says trolling is sustainable and has little impact on Puget Sound fisheries. Fishermen, processors, local governments, and community members all over Southeast are pitching in cash to help the Alaska Trollers Association fight the legal case. Darty says Sitka, Petersburg, Pelican, Port Alexander, and Craig have collectively contributed thousands. And Sitka's assembly is considering another $25,000 contribution. We are doing everything we can to keep our fishery viable and our fishermen on the water. Um, We realize the importance to the small southeast economies and the families. Trolling is a small boat fishery, a low-impact, hook-and-line, one fish at a time, and we're very respectful of the habitat and the environment. Ketchikan isn't currently considering a contribution of its own, but Assembly Members Otis and Thompson say they are open to the idea. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. Petersburg and Ketchikan's assemblies approved their resolutions yesterday. Ketchikan's assembly will consider a $25,000 donation to cover legal bills later this month, and Wrangell's assembly will consider its own resolution February 14th. Petersburg's public library ranks in the top 3% of all libraries of its size, according to Library Journal, a trade publication for librarians. 
This is the seventh year the library has gotten a high rating since the awards began 15 years ago. The award is based on how well libraries do with the resources they have. Organizers look at how many books are checked out, how many people use the library, the popularity of programs like Storytime, and how much people use the Internet. KFSK got a tour of the library from program coordinator Kari Peterson and director Tara Alcock to find out what the Petersburg Library is doing so right. So yeah, let's just take a little walk around the library. So the children's room? That's program coordinator Kari Peterson. We've built some literacy skill building into the toys that are out. Can you talk me through that a little bit? Let's go look. A little bit. With the grocery store set, the little groceries have things in the box to play with. This is the pasta set, and it has, like, pasta in it, so then the kids can take it to the kitchen and cook it. And then when you bring them over to the kitchen area, there's all the dishes, but there's also little shopping lists and it has the pictures and the words on it. And then on the back is recipes, so they can follow the recipe to cook the stuff from the grocery store. How does it help the library's goals to have stuff like that? Well, it gets people in the door. And they also, you know, sit and read books while they're at it. With Kari's vision, we've been transitioning. That's director Tara Alcock. You'll see that we, we certainly have plenty of books. There's no question about that. There's still a primary part of what we do in here but really it's a sort of hands-on early literacy because a lot of kids that use this room are just are simply too young to read by themselves but these are very educational very rich activities for the kids to engage in this is probably a good time to talk about the story time change too Kari's shifted it to stories in motion i changed the title because i didn't want parents to have the expectation that kids will sit still and be quiet and listen we do a lot of singing and dancing and we do read a story the number one thing for academic success is reading for fun. So like with the summer reading program, we built in activities. So you can earn your way through the summer reading program by doing the activities or by reading. But the activities you do have to read, you have to follow directions and do other things. It's a different kind of reading. We're in the upper elementary age area of the children's room. And we have discovery kits. We've had them for a few years. We've been building on the collection. And there are toys and tools and games for kids to check out. There's books that come with them. And they're all based on the STEM, the science, technology, engineering, art, and math. There's like astronomy, which has the binoculars and like 50 things to find in the night sky. How how do you choose what kits to make? I looked at what other libraries were doing, and then there were some that, like the Sticklets, uh, Kinderskog was the inspiration for that, so there's like a Sticklets kit. It comes with three books. These are all Sticks dowels that you can build inside with, and then it comes with these rubber bands. They're called Sticklets. They're about the size of your hand, and they've got holes in them, and so kids can build with sticks, just what they find in the woods. Another patron was looking for knot tying, so I'm putting together a knot tying kit, and it has, like, nautical knots, and it comes with a little cleat. What's next? Is there anything we want to talk about in the teen room? Oh, yes. This is 
is my favorite room in the whole library. It gets this beautiful southern exposure and it overlooks the uh, slough. Back when we built this building, our group of advisory teams actually worked with the architect to design the space. But yeah, the kids designed the booth, easy chairs, they picked all that out. It's really busy in here on um, days when there's no school and Saturdays, amazingly enough. But I think there's a movement all over for libraries that I mean, we will always be the hub for information and books, but more than anything, I think libraries are becoming a gathering place more so than a warehouse for books. We're in a really lucky position in Petersburg. We're, we're so isolated because of the size of our town. We can really form close relationships with teens, kids, adults, and, and really like weave that into the fabric of um, the services that we offer. You know, if someone wants a book, we get it. I can't emphasize enough to people how important it is that if they have an idea for us, they should let us know because it's so, so many things are so doable for us. We do look a little bit different in our collections than a lot of libraries that you'll see as well. We do follow a bit of a bookstore model um, in terms of how we organize our collection. We try to keep them clean and bright and lots of things on display, lots of new material. Often that's thanks to grants we're able to do that. The staff has, you know, some extent a vision of, you know, what where libraries are going, like Kari was saying, and um, where we think our libraries should go. But we're also in this fortunate position of having an incredibly engaged and involved library board and uh, Friends of the Library group. It's a nonprofit that supports library activities. We have a very large and enthusiastic group of supporters from volunteers that water our plants to the ladies that do the book sale. I think that that really enhances our whole operation. Also, we have a lot of donors. Um, a lot of people make very generous donations to the library, anything from large donations that name a space to $25 at the front desk. It's amazing how generous people are. That was Petersburg's Library Director, Tara Alcock, and Program Coordinator, Kari Peters- Peterson, talking with KFSK. Seven young Ketchikan athletes will fly to Juneau in April to compete in the Regional Native Youth Olympics competition. The program has grown over the past few years, attracting all ages and skill levels. Reagan Miller stopped by a recent practice to learn more about the games in Ketchikan. In a corner of the Houtling Elementary School gym, Isabella Agoni is trying to perfect her one-hand reach, coached by her mom, Starla Agoni. The eighth grader is a member of Team Ketchikan, a native youth Olympics team. The athletes on the team train twice a week in events like that one-hand reach, the seal hop, or the Alaskan high kick. They're all games modeled after traditional Alaskan native skills. Starla Agoni is a fourth grade teacher and coaches Team Ketchikan with her husband Wilfred. Her children Isabella, Sophie, and Henry are all athletes on this year's team. She explains the one-hand reach. So what you do is balance yourself, and eventually you're holding your whole body weight on one one hand, and then athletes reach up and hit the ball, um, and then putting their hand down, and they have to keep their balance. Isabella Agoni says it's a hard one. She leans forward on both hands. Her arms shake as she concentrates on putting all her weight on her wrists. It's more complicated when you focus on it and when like you're not focused on it then it's like super easy 
Isabella joined the team three years ago. She says it's about more than just proving you're stronger and faster than your competitors. She says it's good for the spirit. Just being able to connect with what my ancestors used to do. Her father is Athabaskan, Aliu, and Anupiak. Her mother is Haida. Across the gym, Isabella's sister Sophie is working on the scissor broad jump. She takes long leaps across the floor, crossing her legs as she goes. It's been one of her favorite events since she joined as one of the team's first members four years ago. She's also a fan of the one-hand reach and the seal hop, which takes an athlete bouncing across the floor on their knuckles and toes. It's really fun. I mean, you get to learn things that you didn't know you were good at until you, like, you try it. Ten-year-old Kendall Hamilton was the only student in her fourth grade class who signed up, and she was instantly hooked. I enjoy the difficulty and challenge that it gives you because it's not against anyone else. It's against yourself, and that just makes it different from other sports. Samson Oliver is one of the older team members. He's a junior in high school and also a wrestler. He joined the team four years ago for a challenge. At the most recent practice, he was focusing on the Alaskan high kick. So I like to grab my left foot and bring it close to me and planting my left arm on the floor to kick my right leg up. And then like some people are able to go like completely vertical or perpendicular off the ground just by holding one arm, which is pretty, yeah. Samson says every time he does it, it's like he's challenging himself to go even higher the next time. And you're like, okay, let me try to hit it just a little bit higher. And that's kind of like what's pushing me to keep trying this and keep getting better at it. His coach, Wilfred Goni, says the events are a test of will. I like to see the kids challenge themselves, and I like to watch them grow. Because they're not competing against each other, they're competing against themselves. Agoni is happy to see the sport grow in Ketchikan. He says it didn't have the same presence in Ketchikan, Prince of Wales, or Metlakatla as it did where he grew up. I'm from up north where the games are, like in gym class, it's just, it's a requirement. It's, it's, um, growing up, it was what we did. But for down here, it's introduced and it's, it's fairly new. The team didn't have the funding last year, but will be making the trip to Juneau to compete in just a couple months. Star Logoni says the team is looking forward to testing its skills against competitors from all over Southeast Alaska. A recent contest boasted teams from Angoon, Huna, Metlakatla, and Prince of Wales Island. It's nice to all be together, and usually we stay in the, in the school that we're at, and just being able to make connections with other communities and, yeah, just growing relationships. And she says there's something special about doing it with her kids. A family pushing themselves to their mental and physical limits, all while connecting with their roots. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller. Juno's Thunder Mountain High School is set to host the 2023 Games on April 1st and 2nd. For KFSK, I'm Rachel Cassandra. Coming up, local and marine weather. 